Welcome back to the goal line stand. All football, all the time. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner, sportstalkphilly.com. Presented, as always, by Michael's Glass Company. Michael's Glass Company, serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. We can be found on social media, at GL Stand Show. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For now, expand it. Giants coverage on Twitter for those Giants listeners, because this is an Eagles-Giants fan collaborative podcast, at GLS underscore Giants, and for all Eagles fans, you know, at Eagle Delphia, that is the place to go on Twitter. I am Michael Lipinski. I am joined by Brett Halpern, as always by Brett Halpern, and this has been an interesting week in the world of football between media rights deals and free agency frenzy. Yeah, well, first off, what's going on, football fans? It has definitely been a crazy week, but, uh, you know, I for me, honestly, this is uh, – what's nice is this is one thing that's sort of normal, you know, and also it doesn't have the sense like the pandemic affected it because this is just something that would happen anyways. So it's nice to sort of get back to something that's normal, um, you know, missed out on the combine, which, you know, still bummed about, but – Hey, at least free agency is coming, which means the draft is coming up too. So very excited about that. And we are going to start pumping out more draft-related content in the next couple of weeks here. You know, you mentioned the no combine, and we've talked about this on this show. I have been very vocal about this is going to be causing problems because you don't know. Yeah, there's pro days and all this stuff, but you really don't, you don't know. So I was watching the Stanford Pro Day yesterday, and yeah. – I'm like, what are they doing? Are they in a tent? Where are they? I didn't realize that Stanford, of all places, does not have an indoor football facility. So they took these large party tents and put them over their practice fields, which are very nice. Yeah. Out there in uh, what, Palo, Palo Alto. Yes. And I'm like, okay, that's that's good. But like, why are they doing this? And then they go to the quarterbacks who are getting ready to throw. It is a monsoon. It is pouring rain, and I'm like, this isn't this isn't right for these guys to be. Now, Grant, I know you play football in the rain. I, I'm a big proponent of that. But when you're testing somebody, you need to ha- all have the same environment. Trevor Lawrence so, has to have yeah. the same environment a- as uh, I, I don't know whomever. No, so I, I've not, 99%. I agree with you in terms of the testing, the 40 and all of those standard athletic testing, it needs to be apples to apples, not apples to oranges. And there's fast tracks, there's slow tracks. There's always been those crazy legends about, you know, um, I think it was Fresno State, but if not, I'm just going to say like hypothetically Fresno State, where instead of running the 40, you're sort of running the 38 and a half, because obviously it's in the school's interest, for their kids, for their players to do well. So that's why you never know if you're getting a legitimate time. Uh, so that's why I think the combine is great. Speaking of the Stanford Pro Day, I during Andrew Luck's senior season, it was, an, it was incredibly windy, and people were very worried about that. And he went out and had an amazing Pro Day. So it actually even further solidified his status. So I actually do think 
when it comes to a quarterback throwing, it would be interesting to see them throw in the elements because of the fact that, you know, come you know January, you might have to play in some, uh, you know, cold weather games, some rain games, snow games, bad temperature games. So in that sense, it's interesting. But I agree. It's like you think of Stanford, this elite school, and they have very good facilities, but they don't appear to have an indoor facility. And it is a little strange to work out in the rain. And I guess rain would be one issue because, God forbid, you don't want someone to slip and hurt themselves during the workout. So that's uh, it, it is a very interesting dynamic, though, this year. And, and you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It, it is really much more difficult for scouts and because you keep hearing about all these guys who are suddenly breaking, you know, under four, three, five. And yesterday uh, there was an Auburn wide receiver uh, who ran a four, two, six, Anthony Schwartz. The thing is with him, when he was a senior in high school, he broke the hundred meter record for high school students. Uh, So for high school athletes, so it's more I, reasonable I gotta, to say that he could have done it. Well, there was a guy yeah. at Stanford, and I didn't write it down because I was I was on and I was doing something else. I, I, yeah. I was doing professional work, and I watched it, and, they, and I forget who it was, but they're like, "Oh, he ran a four six his first time. Here comes his second run, and yeah. he runs a four four. And I yeah. I don't remember who it was that was doing the. I feel like Andrew Siciliano was one of the guys. I don't know who was covering it. For NFL yeah. Network, but he was like, "Well, that's interesting. You usually don't drop that much time on your forty. What happens here?" And whomever he was with was like, "Yeah, well, he'll probably run again, or he won't, and they'll just go with the four, you know, the four four. I ran a sub five. I ran a four eight. I think is what I was timed at as a senior in high school. I'm going to tell you something. That clock was started late or stopped very, very early." But you know what? Uh, the colleges were like, what do you run the 40 in? God damn, I run it in 4 8. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know if that's good or bad for a lineman. I couldn't even tell you. Uh so no, that's actually a pretty good time. Uh what I would say is for that uh for that Stanford player, that's when you go, it's a George Costanza leave at, leave on top uh, exit. You know, oh, yeah, I'm done. I you you walk you walk off the field, you're done. But yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Uh, even though some of these are laser timed, you know, who knows how their lasers are programmed? You need to have everything uh, regimented. Now, look, I have my issues with the combine. I believe that all players should run in shoulder pads and helmets. I don't understand why they don't. I don't understand why they don't work out in shoulder pads and helmets. You're going to be playing in shoulder pads and helmets. Why wouldn't you work out in those? Because there are guys, and we've seen this literally since we were eight years old, who just are magically slower once they put on those shoulder pads and helmets. So I, I don't understand why they they don't do that in the combine or in pro days. That's a topic for another day. Uh, yeah. Let's get to it. Big news of the week is obviously free agency, but even bigger dollar value news is the NFL has officially agreed to its new media rights deal. 11-year deal with a bunch of people, we're going to get to it in a second, worth $110 billion with a B. CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, and Amazon are the partners for the National Football League for the next 11 years. What's interesting here is, I believe, more importantly, is the ESPN. There's two things. 
the ESPN slash ABC end of this thing is that Monday Night Football obviously sticks with, with ESPN, but ABC is now going to be involved in the Super Bowl rotation, which it had not been since Super Bowl 40. Uh, yeah. Look, when they moved Monday Night Football to ESPN, it was kind. Of, that's when it was downgraded from and the the premier program of the National Football League to what it became. When it was on ABC, it was a big deal. It was broadcast TV. Everybody had it. You had bunny ears. You had it. Now, coming back to ABC for some type of broadcast, I think is a little bit of a boon for the ESPN family. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, look, to, to get the biggest sporting event of the year back into your channel is a big deal. Um, I, you know, I I just hope, at least by that point, I hope we could sort of land on a really good Monday Night Football crew because it's going to be the Monday Night Football crew that calls the ABC game, the ABC Super Bowl. And, you know, I'm still not thrilled with, you know, I'm not a big Brian Greasy guy. It, we gotta. We need to work on that crew before they get. I I don't know where in the rotation they get the Super Bowl. I believe. I believe there. it's. I believe it's 2024. I'm actually looking at at, at an article from from the New York Times now. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll find out. Yeah. So I mean, either way, it's. I I, I like it. You know, it's it's good to mix it up. Uh, I to me, one of the things I was a little bummed about. I I I've probably told you this for years. I hate Fox broadcast. I, I, I honestly, to me, I wish the New York Giants would switch to the AFC simply because that way I would have to watch less of Fox broadcast. I just, I can't stand them. I, I To me, I think it'd be nice almost every media deal that the two networks that get the uh, different conferences almost switch it up just to, just to change it up. But obviously there are strategic reasons why CBS prefers the AFC and Fox prefers the NFC, but I, I can't stand Fox. ESPN and ABC have till 2026 to, to get it right. That's their first Super Bowl back. In gotcha. the rotation. I agree with you with Fox, but I also wonder if that's because of our age. We grew up with our teams, NFC East teams. I'm an Eagles fan. You're a Giants fan. That was a CBS property. The the NFC was on CBS up until yeah. Fox took it over in 1994. And it's always been a little bit different, Fox. I mean, remember, they were the first to put the score bug in the yeah. top corner in 1994. And I can remember my father being angry about it. Why are you taking away from the screen? And it's like, well, it's the upper left-hand corner. Nobody's even – there's nothing there. Yeah, yeah, but who wants to look at that? I can't imagine a game without it now, as crazy as that sounds. But, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I think some interesting points here from the deal, other than the dollar value, which is absolute insanity. And this isn't even including there is going to be a separate deal for Sunday ticket and the yeah. red zone package, which is coming down the pike in the next couple of weeks, months, is that Monday Night Football will get the ability to flex after week 12. Now, it's one thing to flex from a one or a four on a Sunday to an yeah. eight on a Sunday, it's a completely different thing to flex from a one on a Sunday to an eight on a Monday night. Yeah, you know, this, I from a general fan's perspective, 
you like it because you want a good Monday night game. And, you know, the last 10 years, there have been some stinkers late, you know, late season Monday night. But as a season ticket holder, as you just pointed out, that's a serious problem because I mean, you know, you're literally changing up. Now you're going to go into a game during the work week. Uh, you know, I for both Philly and New York, that's difficult traffic, everything else. That you know, and think about out of towners who, you you know, you're flying in for the game. Suddenly, you have an extra data burn. I I, I mean, I wonder how that's going to play out. But I think obviously, in the end of the day, it's more important for the NFL for viewership as opposed to the, you know, in-game experience. Not in-game experience, but the experience for those sixty to seventy thousand attending. Well, sure, it's becoming a t- and it, and it's been this way for no. forever. I, I I mean, Pete Rozelle was aware that this was a TV product, and he yeah. made those moves with the Dick Eversalls of the world and all those guys. So let's not think of this in and this has been going on since the '60s. We're just now getting to that point. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I wonder. Quick look. There's no real rhyme or there's no real rule to it. I'm guessing that maybe they'll have to bump it up a few days earlier on the flex chart, you know, telling a team, hey, we're going to flex you to Monday night. They're going to know sooner rather than later. Uh, another interesting thing to come out of this media rights deal, and this is not really a, a huge surprise as they have tinkered with for the past five or so years, is Thursday Night Football will be exclusive to Amazon Prime. And I believe that's not including the home markets. Because NFL rules uh, pertaining to um, the monopoly, uh, what do you call it? Antitrust. The yeah. NFL games have to air over the air, on over-the-air TV in your home market. That's yeah. why if you're in Philadelphia and a Monday night game is on ESPN, it's also going to be simulcasted on PHL 17 or 6ABC. I don't know how they do it up in, in North Jersey in the New York market or elsewhere in, in the country. But that's how it works. So I imagine the Thursday night package will be the same in some form or some fashion. But for us, for anybody else, it's going exclusive to Amazon. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I I don't really have an issue with it one way or another, except for, look, there are parts of this country, there are people in this country that still don't have Internet, uh, which, you know, this is something that the pandemic has highlighted. And those people are now not going to be able to have the opportunity to watch the games. So, yeah, but if you're living in the mountains of West Virginia, and do you even know that it's on there in the first place? Well, like, I was know, actually thinking more cable? like, like yeah, I don't know. No, I agree. It's 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 you know you don't even know it exists anyway. I mean, you go to the, some of these places, it's like going back to the 1940s. That that is true. It's just yeah, it is more of an issue for impoverished communities, and I think that they have. Bigger issues regarding, you know, the Thursday night football package, but it was just it was just something I thought of. But either way, it, it, it's it's not. Look, that is the trend of the future. At some point, you know, most of these things, everything's going to be streaming. So, uh, and they, and you can stream it anyway. So I mean, yeah, if you're watching, I have watched on T. I'm a red zone guy when it's not my team playing usually. But if there has been a game that as I'm watching on the red zone where I'm like, oh, I really want to pay more attention to that, I will go onto the phone or a tablet and have that game through the NFL app because I can yeah. do it airing, uh, uh, you know, off to the side. 
what's going to be more interesting to me is who produces this because when it was on Amazon Prime previous for the most part it was at a Fox production or an, or an NFL whomever had the game was producing it now there were a handful of Amazon produced games and I think we talked about this uh, Arizona and the 49ers I think was the one yeah that was a stream only towards the end of last season and it was like watching a high school game someone was filming it with a, a camera and a microphone from the top of the press box at Jonas Seymour Stadium in Cherry Hill. It was very much, it, it had a weird feel to it. Yeah, they definitely need to step up their own uh, production capabilities. But uh, either way, it should be pretty interesting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge proponent of Thursday Night Football to begin with. I loved college football's Thursday night football. Um, so, and frankly, I think for the most part, you get really crappy games for the NFL for Thursday night football, and it becomes an injury risk more than anything else. It's not a true representation of those teams' abilities. That's my belief. Well, it's all about the money, and that's clear when we're talking $110 billion. This yeah. offer. This also, this media rights deal opens up uh, the door for a 17 game season in the CBA, which I, I thought was pretty much agreed to. Did they just have to? Did they just well, have yeah. to sign off on it here? Because everyone's working under that impression. Because I know the Eagles crossover game has already been announced as the Jets, you know, yeah. officially announced as the Jets. Yeah. So the, what ha- what the issue or the the triggering point was. Per the CBA, they could only do they could only vote on a 17 game season once they had re- had um, reached their new media deal, whether it was this year or next year. So now that the new media deal was reached, now this clause kicks in where they vote for the 17th game. So, and yeah, I'm very happy because it looks like the Giants will be playing in Miami. And I now have a place to stay down in Miami. So I will be, I'm definitely going to be going to that game. Uh, you and every other Giants fan from up here or down there will yeah. be going to that game. Anytime there is a Northeast team in Miami, it's yeah. always a home game for, yeah. for, for said team. Uh, anybody, Steelers, you know, Ravens, uh, New England, it, it's, it's absolutely wild. Before long, it's going to then go to eight an 18-game season well, with two it, preseason games. It has to at some point. You, you yeah. just have to cut it down at some point. And I think, if anything, the pandemic, in a way, taught us this year that you don't necessarily need the preseason games. You do and you don't. But yeah. it, 17, obviously being an odd number, you have to find a way to even it out, especially as it pertains to home and road. Yeah. Because isn't, doesn't that factor into sometimes your playoff tiebreakers? You know, way down the list, how you played at home and how you played at the ro- on the road and common opponents and all this stuff? Well, common opponents, yes. I don't know if home and road performance does. If it does, it's literally like the 15th tiebreaker. Um, I was reading this article when they were when they were outlining the, the, the eventual move to 17 games and 18 games. And they were talking, I completely forgot, when they had a 14-game schedule, they had six preseason games. That's insane. It's dumb, is what it. It's dumb. 
That's a, I mean, that's almost like a whole season worth of preseason. And you got to factor in here. That was when did it go to when did it go to sixteen? It was early eighties. Without uh, looking it up, I mean, I can look it up, but seventies, uh, eighty, yeah, late seventies, right. early eighties. But you still had guys in theory that they were using preseason to get ready for football. Yeah, I'm not saying that they were going. They weren't concrete. You know, Charlie Chuck Bednarik selling concrete in the off season, but yeah. they were not in the gym all the time. They might've been involved in professional wrestling or whatever it may have been, but they weren't as involved in football. Football is a 365, 24 seven sport now. Yeah. But I, so I agree with you and it takes them longer to get accustomed, but six games, that is just, that's amazing to think about. I, you know, six. Wow. I, I, I was completely floored. I, I I never realized that. I guess I always assumed, all right, well, even when they had 14 games, they just had four preseason games. But it's like a whole – it's an entire season of preseason. Man, that must have been, that must have been some interesting football. Definitely interesting football. Let's get to why we're here. It is free agency week one. This is free agency frenzy, free agency mania, March Madness. You call it what you will. We're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to discuss the New York Giants. Then we're going to discuss everybody else. So the Eagles. All right, let's move on to the Giants. Well, I'm obviously kidding, but the Philadelphia Eagles were in cap hell and were able through a litany of moves to get under the salary cap. And I actually believe the move that got them back under the cap was Marquise Goodwin reverting back to the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. And there was confusion amongst beat writers who were like, uh, yeah, so uh, Goodwin is going back to the, the 49ers. He'll be 49ers property. They're going to cut him. The Eagles save on the cap. They're now under. We've never really seen this happen before. Well, no, and on top of it, it was a reversion a year later because of the fact that he opted out of last season so it, it was it was I, I it probably was history making i don't know if that is ever you can a trade reverting back a year later i don't think that's ever occurred and eagles, eagles are making history yeah eagles are making history eagles fans have obviously been crushing the organization i don't think this is their fault they were actually in the process of discussing an extension with him at some point so i i, I i'm interested in hearing what ultimately comes of this yeah. maybe he's a guy that they eventually sign again in, in this in this process i i don't know it was really weird so the eagles are now officially under the cap and they make a signing andrew adams formerly of the world champion tampa bay buccaneers he was a giant he played at uconn look it's a safe it's a it's a depth safety guy you know it, he's a I don't, teamer's by all accounts, you need stuff like that. It is what it is. So I, I, I will tell you, I've always liked Andrew Adams. I have no idea, frankly, why. So he was let go. He was not retained by the Jerry Reese-led Giants. It wasn't uh, Dave Gettleman slash Putz of East Rutherford. Uh, he stepped in. I, I always thought this is a guy who is not the most athletic, but just it always seems to be in the right place, makes plays, is a very good special teamer, you know, for league minimum or something around that. I really don't think it's a bad signing. Obviously, if that is your loan signing during 
the free agency, you, you kind of say, oh, okay, and that's it's not the most exciting thing in the world. But, again, just evaluating Andrew Adams as a player, the guy always makes plays and gets the most out of, you know, his limited athleticism. I think he's a heady player. So, and also very good tackler. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It, it's not earth-shattering. It doesn't need to be. Anybody who thought the Eagles were going to go make earth-shattering moves, you needed to, to figure. You needed to pay more attention. This is what it is. This is going to be an off-season of probably pretty much nothing. I can't imagine that they're actually going to trade for Deshaun Watson, as has been rumored by uh, a ton of people. You know, that there's been rumors that the Eagles are going to put a package together of three first round picks, Jalen Hurts, and a guy to go get Deshaun Watson. I'm not taking the legal bill that comes with that. Allegedly. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I was gonna, you know, ask you your thoughts on this. I think now, for those that don't know, there have been uh, there's at least one lawsuit filed, and the attorney representing the plaintiff, it's in a sexual assault lawsuit, a uh, civil suit filed in, um, was that? I believe it's Harris County. Uh, which yeah, is Harris County, Texas. Texas. Yeah, Harris County, Texas, uh, alleging sexual assault. And this lawyer who he himself has a really checkered past and a checkered reputation claims there's now eight other women who are going to be coming forward. There's going to be eight other lawsuits. So right now, I don't even know if there is a trademark. Would you look, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And I like the way I believe it was Charles Davis. This isn't a court of law. That's the other thing that needs to be addressed here. I think, and I'm not defending, uh, I'm not defending Deshaun Watson. I'm not, saying that the accuser is wrong but nothing has come up legally of this this is all civil well, there's, there's well no... so that's so the two things though one is harris county i believe um their um modus operandi not modus operandi their um their operating procedures they do not uh, announce whether someone is under criminal investigation. So we don't know. You don't know if Deshaun Watson is. You can there file is, an Oprah request. Yeah, you find can. Out. And I'm sure that the reporters down there have done their due diligence. There is leaks. You you know you never you didn't hear about anything legally until until this lawsuit alleged. Yeah. But then these, but a civil lawsuit can trigger the NFL to do their own investigation under the the um, conduct which they are policy, doing. which they are doing. So now, irrespective of any criminality, um, because of the civil lawsuit, now you have the NFL investigating. I don't know. You know, I I don't know if Deshaun Watson now has a market. I think he. I think he lost a lot of leverage because of this. Uh, you know, oh, and we're not commenting on what what happened. You know, I, again, I like what Charles Davis said last night on NFL radio, which is you hope it's not true in the sense of you hope Deshaun Watson didn't do anything. You hope that these women 
did not have to go through anything either unpleasant or illegal. So you just hope everything, everyone was safe and right unharmed. Yeah. I I mean, obviously now I'm not famous. If I was the Eagles, even before this, I don't know that I am going to send three first round picks. Obviously you're moving a player, Jalen Hurts, and then someone else. I, I don't, I don't know that I'm and then another pick for Deshaun yeah. Watson. I, my issue being Deshaun Watson's perceived locker room issues in, in Houston. Now it could be that it's just Houston's the organization we've gone through, but Deshaun Watson's issues were he wasn't consulted on the hiring of the coach, and he wasn't hi- uh, consulted on the hiring of the general manager. So he would be coming into a situation in Philadelphia, assuming that the deal was made, where he obviously has no say on the general manager, who has naked pictures, allegedly, of a lot of people and can keep his job. And he had no say on the coach, who has referenced the wing T and all these different wild things uh, in his press conferences. So I don't know how that would work. Uh, so I, Frankly, I think at the end of the day, it goes down to he, Deshaun Watson has such an issue regarding the leadership of the Houston Texans and particularly Nick, Nick Easterby and, you know, who has literally got up in front of the entire team and claimed that he and Deshaun Watson are friends. And the way he said it was apparently racially insensitive. Yeah. He was I like, yo, he's my boy. And like, yeah, I feel it's more of that than anything. But yeah. even from the media standpoint, it's which is odd from the media standpoint. There, usually you get like a national guy that would come to. I'm not going to say Deshaun Watson's defense, but like now, hey, that's really not how he feels. He just is really pissed off at this organization. Yeah. It's just a really weird, murky situation. Now, if Seattle called, that smarmy prick Pete Carroll called and said, "Hey, send that package for Russell Wilson," I'm probably doing it. Well, they already turned down Chicago's package. They did. That is correct. A lot of people turned down Chicago's package. I guess they didn't. <laughs> I guess they didn't flaunt Nick Foles. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should say trade offerings. Oh, there we there we go. Otherwise, we're get, never mind. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> moving on to the rest of Eagles free agency. Look, it's going to be very very quiet. The Eagles aren't going to do much. There's not going to be a splash unless there is a trade. There's some names out there. Anybody that's been attached to to the Colts over the past four, five, six years has been attached to the Eagles. I don't have an issue with it. I, I mean, when you're building a program and you're bringing in a new coaching staff that has history with prior organizations, the Chargers, you're going to bring in players, coaches, personnel that you're comfortable with. Like Marlon Mack has been bandied about. That For the right money, that's not a bad deal depending on what the Eagles are looking to do. You know, we're going to be talking about Eagles making a move here and a move there over the course of the next couple of weeks. They, they're not going to come out over the next four or five days and, and make a huge sign. It's not happening. Yeah, my, my two – well, so I have one question for you and then one thought regarding the Eagles free agency. First, the question, are you surprised that it has taken this long for the Eagles to move Zach Ertz? I think that you have a situation uh, – to answer your question, no. 
I think the Eagles are, they are a prickish organization when it comes to certain things. Uh, and this goes back under this regime. And I, I say this regime of Jeffrey Lurie run by whom, you know, whomever you go back to the Jeremiah Trotter situation. Granted, I know different GM, Joe Banner, all that kind of stuff. They, they've always been real prickish about holding on to the last second. They're trying to get something for Zach Ertz, as they should. That is their job. And now, if they can't, the rumor and innuendo is that they're going to keep them on the squad. I, I don't know if I do that. But I, they should have traded Zach Ertz after the Super Bowl season. Yeah, I feel as if the longer you keep him, the less value he has in the trade market. So. This, yeah, I mean, at this point, so what if you can't trade him in the next before pre-draft, right? And you're going to come post-draft uh, before the season starts. What are you going to get? Fifth, sixth, seventh round pick for him? What's the point? Keep him on the roster. He's off net. He's off the books next year anyway. You know, and then you you just move forward. Yeah, and and if if you keep him and then he just goes in free agency, you, you pr- presumably will get a compensatory pick right. for him. Right. So, and, and then my statement would be, you know, obviously, even though they have very limited cap space, I have to believe that they will be signing a veteran free agent quarterback. Uh, yeah, the, there has been a lot of rumors. Joe Flacco has, is a rumor. That was one I thought. And which would make sense. I, he's obviously, and everyone will point, oh, he's from the area. Now, well, that has nothing to do with it. I mean, it helps, I guess. I don't know that he still lives in Audubon. I, I do know that he goes to an Italian restaurant and gets his food because they have his stuff there. And if they would like to uh, throw a few shekels our way and sponsor this year program, we will gladly accept. Excellent restaurant. Excellent restaurant. Don't get the regular pizza. I made that mistake. You have to go with the Sicilian. My bad. Very big appetizer servings. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, my bad. Great chicken, <laughs> great chicken parm though. Yeah. Uh, on that, on on that note, yeah, no, I the Eagles will have to sign a a veteran quarterback, which makes sense. They're going to yeah. still do things to restructure cap space and make and make more more dollars available. Did yeah. you happen to listen or hear any of the clips of new Eagles coach Nick Sirianni yesterday with the Philadelphia media? I I. I I read some of the clips. I did not hear them. So I'm torn on how I feel about the guy. He's very, very excitable. He's obviously a football savant. And he actually made a great point. He was referencing his brother, who is a legendary high school coach, and how his brother, he was talking about, you have to conform to the players that are on your roster when selecting an offense someone asked him about an offense like you know you can run a pro style offense but the next year if you don't have those guys you have you can run a spread ultimately and he said that his brother's like you know my brother didn't have the talent so he ran a wing t and we kind of ran with it as a, a little bit of a joke on at gl stan show on the instagram eagles fans everywhere googling the wing t the thing is is like he comes off to me i took it as ah, that makes perfect sense as a football coach I'm going to not say I'm going to run a spread when I have a quarterback that can't throw the ball five feet. But he comes off as, I I don't know, uh, high school Harry, like how they call it. I don't know if it's going to – I don't know how this is going to work. With the media, For you know, it it comes off as childish in a way. So I think he comes off as inexperienced with the media. He gets excitable. He's a very intelligent guy, almost to the point where – 
he he's going a mile a minute and sometimes the car just ends up going down some roads that he didn't mean to go on and before you know it he's just completely lost and sidetracked from the main points of what he needs to say but it's football and it doesn't it's come off professional it makes it makes it makes complete sense i think as former I, players you know anybody who's played the game at any at, at a higher level you know uh, i'm not saying professionals we're not obvious, but even a little cup of coffee for both of us at the college level it's like okay you understand what a coach is saying you know you you, you, you yeah. get it there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of coach speak in him but it's almost like the ripcord effect yeah absolutely i i, I don't think it's going to cost him anything in the locker room it, it it's going to i think he's going to be the butt of a lot of jokes in the media and in the public just simply because of press conferences and you know what i look it's it's not a coach's job to win the press conferences it's a coach's job to win the games and that's really the most important thing i would agree with you wholeheartedly now uh, let's get to it here the new york football giants they have had a really outstanding start to free agency why don't you run down what they've done so far you think it's a, oh i'm, I'm I glad think it's somebody good. i like it well, so look, um, I, I frankly don't mind their free agency haul so far. To me, the biggest issue has been the handling of the Leonard Williams situation. And this literally starts from the get-go of when they decided to uh, make the trade for Leonard Williams halfway through a season when they were 1-8. and eight, And, you know, he, he look, he, he, did, he did his job last year. They basically said, look, we're franchising you. And this is last year. You know, you have to perform. He did. He performed at a near all-pro level. But now, because of that, the Giants had no leverage. And they couldn't get a long-term deal done before the start of free agency. They had to tag him again. And then it wasn't until a day into free agency that he signed a massive three-year, $63 million contract with $45 million guaranteed i believe next year his cap hit is somewhere in like the 26 million range which makes him like the most expensive defender of defensive player of all time in new york giant history and considering the history there that's a lofty statement so to me that is just the shrewdness of the the putts of east rutherford uh and it was really because also when Leonard Williams was under the cap for the second year prior to, uh, I believe it was Wednesday when they made the signing, it was really hamstringing the Giants in terms of their ability to sign other players during that initial first day of, of legal tampering. Um, you know, look, fortunately, they were able to get it done. I think he's a good player, but the problem is it cost them Dalvin Tomlinson. They lost out on him. And to me, I think the sign of a good team more than bringing in good players, is keeping your own good players in-house. This is now the third straight talented New York Giant defensive tackle that we've let walk, and actually the second time in a row where he's gone to Minnesota. First we had Jonathan Hankins. Well, first we had Linval Joseph, the, uh, who went to Minnesota. Then we had Jonathan Hankins, went to the Colts. He's now with the Raiders. And now Dalvin Tomlinson going to the Vikings. It's just you got to keep good players home and you're never going to build unless you can do that. Uh, so that, that to me is frustrating, but you know, having said that looking at their hall right now, 
you know, I don't have an issue with the John Ross signing one year to it's a incentive laden contract. John Ross is most of, you know, low He's risk, like, high reward. type yeah. move. Yeah. And he was the guy who set the record for the 40 yard dash at the combine ran a four, two, two went to university of Washington, absolutely torched our uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights a few years ago in the season opener. Um, they signed Ifiati Adenigbo from Minnesota, who is an underrated pass rusher, but again, low risk, high reward contract. Mike Glennon, they signed to be the new backup for Daniel Jones. They actually got him for a million dollars cheaper than Colt McCoy. And honestly, I think the thinking is some people will be like, oh, look, you need to get a really good backup. To me, if Daniel Jones is hurt, the season's gone anyways. So yeah, absolutely. I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, here's one that's it seems to have been a lot of mixed feelings in in Giants camp, which is the signing of Kyle Rudolph. Uh, it's two years, fourteen million dollars. Though, if you look at the guaranteed money versus incentives and whatnot, it's really f- fairly cap friendly. And I'll give Gettleman credit for that. Um, look, I'm not sold on Evan Ingram. I, I don't really think we need him long-term. Um, and I think, though, Kyle Rudolph is a different kind of tight. He's the more traditional inline blocker. His production has dropped off the last two years, but I also think that's because the offense in Minnesota changed somewhat. They were really more emphasizing uh, throwing to the receivers as opposed to Rudolph. I think he still has one or two years left in him. And that's all we really need, right? We're not. We didn't sign up to five years, so so I'm okay he, with it. I think that is a, is a. I think it's a really solid signing for the Giants. So here's yeah. how I, as a, a, a someone else who's a fan of another team in the in the division, looks at the Giants, and I've said this all all season. I was been very impressed by what Joe Judge has done. I thought the defense played really well. I almost admired defensively how how they played. You could see offensively there were some guys, uh, your Golden Tates, that kind of stuff that didn't fit very well. Uh, I don't want to say that they were malcontents in the locker room because I don't know that. I don't follow the Giants' locker room storylines that closely. But now you're getting guys, you're getting additional piece guys. Like, all right, Evan Ingram, you know what? Yeah, you're you're athletic as hell. You can't catch a football. You, You fucked me in fantasy, you prick. So we're going to bring in Kyle Rudolph who to compete with you. You're, you're, you're creating competition. And you know what? If it just doesn't work, Kyle Rudolph is a really good player. He is going to be able to push guys. He's going to be decent enough for Daniel Jones to, to have a, another, another target. The, the, you know, the John Ross signing, I like that one. That's a guy I wish the Eagles maybe would have thrown some cash at, kind of like Will Fuller, you know, Come in it at a, at a low dollar. If you if it works out, great. If it doesn't, eh, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no problem with that. And then another signing that they have was Reggie Raglan. It was a one-year veteran minimum deal. And he's another guy who can help fortify the inside linebacker position. He's a thumper. He has he goes back, you know, he's an Alabama guy, and you think Joe Judge has his connections with Nick Saban, so he probably knows him very well. Um yeah, I have no problem with that. The one signing I do have a little bit of an issue with was the Giants signed Devontae Booker as the backup running back. 
uh, for two years, five and a half million dollars. It was really, frankly, it's a steep contract for a guy who last year in Las Vegas played for the league minimum, didn't really do anything to show you that he deserved more than the league minimum. Now, part of the thinking is he also plays special teams. So it's kind of like you're getting, you know, one guy to fulfill two different positions. I also don't necessarily want my number two running back to be a key special teams guy because you're risking injury then. I, I, to me, I, you know, I, I think this just shows the state of running backs in general. I think you could have waited till, you know, April, May after the first off, I think you could have drafted someone in the fifth round to take this position. Second, well, has, that hasn't happened yet. So no, but yeah, no. but well, but you've already invested this money in Devonte Booker. So to me, I just I don't quite get that. Um, then look, obviously, aside from that, the uh, you know the elephant in the room is literally as we speak. Kenny Galladay is meeting with the New York Giants. I, I swear, I have not seen such obsession from New York Giants fans since Plaxico Burris in terms. of of potentially signing someone. And honestly, I think Kenny Galladay is a good wide receiver. I do not think he's Plaxico Burris. I don't think he... Look, we need to improve the talent level around Daniel Jones from off, the offensive perspective, and he will help do that. But I also think Kenny Gall even if we sign Kenny Galladay, that shouldn't preclude us from drafting one of those top wide receivers in the draft should one of them be, fall to eleven. But again, that's discussions for our future mock drafts and things of that nature. But so, you know, perhaps even by the end of this podcast, we may know whether the Giants signed Kenny Galladay. We'll see. I don't think, again, I don't think he is the second coming. I think he's a nice player. And, and we need more nice players around Daniel Jones. So we shall see. Uh, I just hope that <clears throat> good old Gettleman, Putts of East Rutherford, doesn't overpay. Uh, again, I think a lot of these signings we discussed were good, and he didn't overpay. But the, the Devontae Booker one is a little strange. And he, I think if you want to talk about a position where Gettleman has been really weak in terms of, you know, just the way he values uh, players, it's running back. Because even in terms of drafting Saquon, number two, where there's even more stories about teams that wanted to trade up with the Giants during that draft, and they could have drafted him at four or five or six. And then they, you know, they had signed Jonathan Stewart for a lot of money when the guy had literally no legs left. Now you're overpay for Devontae Booker. I, I don't quite like the way he handles running backs, but you know, what are you going to do? This is what it is. This is this is the guy we're stuck with right now. Hopefully, he can help build um, build us back to relevance. See, I think you're looking at a lot of like B, B minus type moves, and sometimes that's okay. Slow yeah. and slow. Um, how would you grade at this juncture? The Galladay thing is interesting. I think I feel like he's created his own market for himself, and good, or his agent has, and good for him. Uh, he was tied to the Eagles at one point, and then, then they realized they don't have any money, so yeah. you, you know, you're not paying them with SEPTA tokens or Bitcoin. <laughs> so you know you actually have to pay them or cheesesteaks or whatever. So how do you grade the Giants so far? Um, I would probably grade it as a 
C plus B minus. And the only reason is because I, I again I like a lot of these uh low risk, high reward signings, but because of the way that Gettleman, in my estimation, mishandled the Leonard Williams negotiations, it cost us Dalvin Tomlinson. So we got weaker along the defensive line because of this. So, so to me, that is the biggest issue there. Um, the rest of it, I don't have a problem with. Uh, and if they bring in Kenny Galladay, yeah, okay. I, I, I'm excited about it. I just literally, Mike, if you were to see comments, um, you know, particularly, you know, to some of our posts and then in other groups, you know, literally these guys are, they're literally all, they were checking out the plane schedule to see when he's coming in. Where is he going to go to dinner to meet with the guys? They are, it is, I have not seen that kind of hysteria since the Plaxico Burrs. And it's remarkable because I don't think he's Plaxico Burrs. And I'm not even, I'm I'm, I'm talking about Plaxico Burrs as a stealer coming in. I don't think he's even at that level. I think he's a good player. And I'm all for the Giants bringing in good players. It's just the level of hysteria um, that has been associated with this, I think is not commensurate with the level of player that Kenny Galladay is. Let's quickly run through the rest of the league here, but we're going to start with the NFC East. In your opinion, which team outside of the Giants or the Eagles has made the most impact? Was it the Dallas Cowboys bringing back Dak or was it the Washington football team and the moves that they've made? So I'm going to say long-term, it's Dallas bringing back Dak. They just had to do it. And frankly, I kind of like this I, in the sense of had Jerry Jones done this last year, would have saved him about $30 million. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would have. So <laughs> we'll, we'll start with the Cowboys here. They extend Dak Prescott four years, $160 million. That's obviously the big story down in Big D now that they have power and they're not, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Jerry Jones, man, like I, I don't skeleton good old Skeletor. I I, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I get it. I get the move. It was the right move to re-sign Dak Prescott for them. Yeah. Um, however, uh, this is kind of a weird way of going about it. Yeah, well, look, it just shows that, you know, I think if you if it becomes clear and obvious that you're going to re-sign a guy, do it as soon as possible. Do it before the market explodes. And, you know, the, you know, obviously stock markets are one thing, but in terms of markets with salaries with players in the NFL, they only go up, right? So don't wait. Just sign someone as soon as you have the desire to re-sign them. And for the Cowboys, it means they should have done this with Dak at, at minimum a year ago, probably even before then, would have saved them a lot of money. And then they could have bought other players. Look, for the Cowboys, and this is something to talk about in general free agency. You know, the two teams over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years that have spent the most money in free agency, the Jets and the Jaguars. So just because a team has spent a lot of money in free agency, it does not equate to wins, right? So I think the Cowboys storyline is more about who's coming back from injury. Now, they re-signed Dak. He's coming back from injury. They're getting back their entire offensive line, which is really what they've been known for for the last several years. And that's what's going to make them competitive in the NFC East again. 
So, you know, in terms of the other guys, it, it, it's just really more depth pieces. Uh, we're what you know now going to Washington. I I, I did like uh, two of their signings in particular. I like Curtis Samuel, wide receiver. I think he's very talented. I also think he's a guy who is you still haven't even seen the best of what he can do. And William Jackson, the cornerback for Cincinnati. Frankly, I actually think he's an upgrade over Ronald Darby, who left the free agency. But the big question here is Washington signed Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I guess to be their starting quarterback, and yeah, I mean that's well. They, it, so the 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 tea leaves are that they really like what Taylor Heineke can do, and they yeah. want to put him with somebody that has a little bit of experience. And I mean, you can't get much more experience than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's been on just about every team in the league. Uh, you know, one year, ten million. It's a good. That's a good move. Washington fans are excited for it. They are I, Washington fans as a whole are really excited for what they've done so far in free agency. So I have no issue in from a fiscal standpoint, I have no issue with the Fitzpatrick signing, right? One year, 10 million. That's what he's worth. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's is weird. I think people have such of an emotional attachment to the guy. You know, he's a good guy. It's a good story. He's been for all these different teams. But, you know, the thing that you forget is that he's never led a team to the playoffs, right? I mean, I think he's he's come into the playoffs as a backup, I think. But, he, you know, this is a guy who, if you give him a whole season, he's going to have a few really good games. Then he's going to have four or five stinkers. You're going to end up around 500 and probably miss the playoffs. And I think that's that's the kind of quarterback he is. That's why he's been on eight or nine different teams. So... Yeah, it's like you, you you bought a good story, but did you really buy? You didn't buy an elite quarterback. So you what bought are you a doing you here? bought a good quarterback that maybe can usher along a kid that you like, or this is a very quarterback heavy draft class. Yeah, and there's teams that are going to be willing not to draft quarterbacks. Can you make a move? Let's see. Let's see what happens. There's still dominoes that need to fall, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. The Deshaun Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson thing. Let's take the legal stuff out of it. it. Is he's been tied to Carolina, so there there are moves that that could be made. Let's move on in the East, but let's go to the AFC East and let's go to the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick <laughs> let the dog play with the computer, and, 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 and just, <laughs> they've gone wild. I I, I mean, look, Hunter Henry, Matt Judon. Uh, Juno Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Jalen Mills, Kyle Van Noy coming back. They are making moves left and right. You have to factor in the re-signing of Cam Newton. What are they doing here? Is this them? Is this Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft saying, "Yeah, we still have enough. We're going to go for it." I I think this was a a recognition that even though they had a lot of guys who opted out last year, the the roster had sort of grown a little stale. The depth wasn't quite there. And frankly, I know I just mentioned, oh, well, you know, just signing people doesn't necessarily equate the wins. But I think you see a sort of, there. there's a, a pattern to what they did. They It was clear that they wanted to rebuild the tight end position. So going out to get Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, frankly, I think they overpaid for Johnny Smith. That's a separate discussion. 
you know, they, they wanted to get some more depth at wide receiver, so they got Nelson Aguilar, who, you know, who had a decent year out in Vegas, right? Uh, and then Kendrick Bourne from San Francisco. Decent, you know, not world beaters, but just decent players. Just, you know, I, I feel like each of the signings they had elevated the, the position rooms that they were in. Matt Judon helps from – Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy help out in the linebacker room. Jalen Mills, I, I'm going to defer to you. Um, I, uh, that's a boomer bust guy. It, yeah, I, I, I like the effort. I've always liked the effort and, and respected the effort. I don't know if he's worth that. Here's but. my thing on on any, and it, this is what I would tell any fan of a team that has picked up an Eagles player. Nelson Aguilar is a great example. Eric Rowe, guys that were in Philadelphia, that it's like, oh, okay, uh, you know, they, they, they this hasn't really worked out in Philly. He's been okay. There was something wrong. Especially, even though there was a Super Bowl win in there, I, I understand that from a coaching aspect, there was something wrong in, in, in the whole equation. And guys go elsewhere. Ronald Darby had a very, very, very good year after leaving Philadelphia. Sidney Jones played real well after leaving Philadelphia. I'm giving you know, there's guys that leave Phila, Philadelphia, Nelson Aguilar, and they play better. They get coached up better. They're put in the correct position. Four years, twenty-four million for for uh, for Nel- for Jalen Mills. That's a lot, but I, he'd be the guy. He'd be the type of guy that goes up there and plays in that Bill Belichick system and plays extremely well. Yeah, you know, or I, or it goes in a complete other direction. You're right; it's a boom or a bust thing. But I have more faith in Jalen Mills up there with a Belichick Belichickian system yeah. than I did what what he was doing in Philadelphia. I don't think he was used correctly. No, I, I understand that. And so to me, though, the Patriots, they, even though there's a lot of signings here, and, and again, I think they overpaid for Johnny Smith a little bit. Uh, you know, these were not the sign. You, you know the teams that are going out and they're trying to hit the home runs, right? Uh, this this was trying to hit a bunch of singles and a bunch of doubles just to add overall talent to the roster. And I think that they accomplished that. Frankly, I think the, the AFC East more than any other division did that. Uh, you look at Miami, you know, I thought it was really interesting that Miami, for a seventh-round pick, traded for Isaiah Wilson to see if they can sort of revive his career. I know he's had a lot of issues. But, you know, interestingly, uh, you know, Miami's coach, uh, Brian Flores, he himself went to poly prep, which is where Isaiah Wilson went for high school. So they think that that connection could help bring back Wilson from a mental slash emotional standpoint. Training for Bernardrick McKinney, I thought was a really good move. Justin Coleman, the cornerback, uh, I think that really helps the back end of that defense. Bringing in Wolf Will Fuller for one year, uh, you know that's um, I think that's a great move because Will Fuller, when healthy, one of the best deep threats and you know, all of the NFL. And so just bring him in one year. You didn't, it's again, low risk, high reward. I like those kind of signings. Uh, you know, then you get to the jets, right? Well, Obviously hold on, the hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go to the jets, you, you missed out on a signing in Miami and that's quarterback Jacoby Percet. you know? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, that's a good backup signing, but there is it, or is you, it, you don't yeah, like it? I know I do like it. I wish he would again, Guys that I wish would have been in Philadelphia as backup. Yeah, I look at it. You know, 
the Dolphins say that they're sold on Tua, but the way that they've handled Tua last year tells you otherwise. You know, is this a guy, Jacoby Brissett, who's a good quarterback, you know, Indianapolis, New England, he could come in and play. Well, yeah. So Smart veteran. to me, any other than Chase Daniel, who I think we'll probably just need to devote an entire podcast podcast episode to, uh, who has managed to, you know, earn like $60 million is not a good player. If you're paying $5 million or more for a backup, that is a backup who you believe can come in and start and win a game, right? Whereas, like, for instance, going back to the Giants, they have Mike Lennon, who they signed for $425,000 guaranteed. Uh, it gets up to, like, $1.8 million with playing incentives. But you, you see the difference in the value of backup quarterbacks there. A Jacoby Brissett earning $5 million. You know, that's why, I mean, that's the issue with Marcus. Marcus Mariota is owed $10 million right now, which is why the Raiders want him to take a pay cut or they may trade him. That's another guy who would be an incredibly valuable backup or even, you know, I think he could still start in this league. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a good signing. You know, I think you want someone with Tua, you know, and we got because of the New England connection with Brissett and with Flores in New England makes a lot of sense. So yeah, that's a good signing too. It's um, but yeah. So going to the Jets, uh, you know, this is a team that's really bereft of talent. You know, I thought they brought in a few good guys: Carl Lawson, the DN, Corey Davis, the wide receiver, uh, Keenan Cole from Jacksonville. You know, one year, five and a half million. I'll take that kind of deal. Marcus Joyner, these are guys who are going to come in and start. And then also, they're still in talks with Juju Smith-Schuster. So that is definitely, you know, of interest. And so, you know, we talked about if you're going to keep Sam Darnold, you got to put talent around them. Well, if you're going to bring in three wide receivers, that's definitely the kind of thing to do to, you know, keep talent around or, or to improve the talent around them. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean, and I do agree with you. Uh, look, the Jets, it's going to be interesting because the Smith, yeah, they're sniffing on Smith Schuster, but you also have that quarterback question. Well, yeah, it's you don't know what's going to happen, but I think now the Sam Darnold market has dried up. Sure. Because the rumors were Washington. Well, Washington's going with Fitzpatrick, Chicago, right. and they're going to go with Andy Dalton. We'll talk about that more in a second. I don't. Where else is he going to go? All right, fair point. Uh, you know, he could go anywhere. Well, he could go anywhere. I just, to me, those were like the really the two obvious teams, right? Um, so, I look I, at the end of the day, if they want Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, I think they'll, they'll be they'll be willing to part with Sam Darnold for you know a second or third round pick or something like that. So, it, they'll they'll make that trade happen. So. You met, you mentioned the name. You mentioned it. Let's go to the AFC North real quick. Let's go run through a couple couple things here. Uh, Andy Dalton to the Bears, and yeah. he has been told that he is going to be the starter. I, I don't get that. Honestly, I don't know about you, Mike, but I, I didn't think Andy Dalton was that great as the Cowboys' uh, starting quarterback last year after Dak went out. Now, I keep in mind the entire offensive line literally got hurt. Right. So he wasn't playing with a very good offensive line and he himself is not overly mobile. 
And because it wasn't a great offensive line, you didn't have the tremendous rushing performances from um, Zeke like you normally would. But uh, do, do you really – is he that much of an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky? Uh, yeah, I think he's an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky and he's an upgrade over Nick Foles. How much? A, a game? Uh, this is borrowed time in Chicago. So who knows? Obviously, they're not sold on anybody at quarterback. They're trying to, to make a move for Russell Wilson. I don't know that this matters. This is, I think, more of a let Andy Dalton go out and do his thing. He There's weapons and there's enough weapons on that team. They're good enough to where he can have a decent year and then go get paid somewhere else again. Someone will throw a lot of money at him. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm just not sold on this move, and I I think this is I don't get it. Um, I really don't get it. To me, and particularly Matt Nagy's not coaching for his job, right? This and you're gonna just throw all your eggs in the Andy Dalton basket. Well, if I'm yeah. coaching, if I'm coaching for my job and I can't get Russell Wilson, and I don't really, I'm not drafting a quarterback. I have that. Andy Dalton's the kind of guy that I would feel comfortable throwing my eggs in that basket. You know, there's uh, there's other guys out there, but you know, Tyrod Taylor. You got these experienced quarterbacks. Say, you know, Tyrod Taylor obviously signed elsewhere. That I'd feel comfortable saying, "Yeah, come on in. <laughs> Let's get to ten wins, hopefully, and, and you, you can save me." I don't know that anything short of a playoff run saves Matt Nagy's job. They're 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 releasing players left and right. They're in cap hell. I don't know. I, I got to tell you, I would have rather had Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett over Andy. I just was not impressed with the Andy Dalton I saw last year. So, but I, look, that's just me. It yeah, no, and I, I think that you you mentioned it. Dallas was injured. Uh, look, I'm not I'm not going on the on the defense of Andy Dalton, but he played well for many many years in Cincinnati. So yeah. he's a good quarterback. Uh, let's go to the Lions real quick. Uh, Rashad Perryman comes from the Jets. That I mean, that's an okay signing there when he wants to be. Yeah, well, and he's now uh, playing where his father played, uh, Brett Perryman, which is I didn't even I didn't even make I didn't even make the connection. But this is the best signing. It's be a trade actually. Yeah, this Michael, is great. Michael Brockers gets <laughs> traded to the Lions. Well, when uh, Matt Stafford and the whole Andrew, uh, the Jared Goff trade went down, Michael Brockers goes on what I forget the exact quote, but you know, he essentially said that the Rams have upgraded. Yeah. And then he gets traded back, you know, shitting on Jared Goff. Then he gets traded back to the Lions, and he's now teammates again with Jared Goff. How do you have that conversation if you're Jared Goff? I walk right up to him, upgraded, huh? We're both here in fucking Detroit. Yeah, look, I, I think that these guys need to get together sooner rather than later and just bury the hatchet. Um, you know, Michael Brockers needs to say, ask Jared Goff, you know, why is it that you uh, – look, I so Jared Goff pissed off the Rams. You know, I, yes, I was the one who made the joke that he slept with Sean McVay's wife. I'm not alleging that. It's just a joke, but – you know, something happened there. But it, it's really interesting, though, that Detroit, even though that statement was made, I mean, look, in the end of the day, you you want good players on your team. I don't care if Michael Brockers made fun of our quarterback. Like, they're grown men. They can deal with this. And, yeah, and that's what they need to do. They need to, during uh, workouts or whatever, 
Uh, they need to talk to each other and just talk it out. Uh, so, but it, either it is a funny storyline for us to watch out for. Um, I also like the Jamal Williams signing for Detroit. Uh, I think that's a, see to me, unlike De, uh, Devonte Booker, Jamal Williams, two years, seven and a half, but he's worth that. He's a really good uh, running back for, for Green Bay. So to me, that that's a kind of contract that makes sense as compared with what the Giants did with Devontae Booker. The Vikings go in on defense, Patrick Peterson, Nick Vigil, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who we talked about earlier. Uh, Patrick Peterson, old in the tooth, but I, again, anytime you can add a veteran presence, I think it's a, a decent thing, especially with some of the young corners and young defensive backs that they have there. Talk yeah. about Tomlinson as a signing. It's two years, $21 million for for the Vikings, and you were obviously very pissed off about it. Yeah, he is a very talented – look, he's, he's a run stopper, so he's not necessarily a three-down back. But this is – he's signed right for about the value that I thought he would get, um, you know, out on the market. I mean, he is – he's a team leader. He was a captain for the Giants. Very smart guy who actually – so he played at Alabama, but he also had an offer from Harvard. Really smart guy, very physical. Uh, you know, even though – so. The, on, when he was playing for the Giants, you had Dexter Lawrence, who was 6'4", 355 pounds. Dalvin Tomlinson is more of the 6'4", 310 kind of guy. And Tomlinson was the nose tackle. And really, you know, if you look at his grades on PFF, although, I, you know, I don't view those as gospel, he's very solid grades. He's, he's a really good run stuffer and just one of those guys that's great in the locker room, uh, great teammate. And I think that this was a really good signing for them. It was something that, frankly, they missed when Linval Joseph, the former New York Giant who went to Minnesota, when he left to go for the L.A. Chargers, the Vikings missed that last year. So I think Dalvin Tomlinson comes in and sort of fills that hole. It's really the Giants end up uh, providing great players for the interior of the Vikings defense. Rest of the NFC, anybody else really stand out to you is making moves uh, worth mentioning. Uh, NFC, well, so the NFC South was really a quiet division. And to me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won that simply because of everybody they were able to retain. Uh, you know, that's where I think that Tampa Bay won free agency, considering they started it well over the cap, but then still managed to bring everyone back. They re-signed Shaq Barrett. They uh, franchised Chris Godwin. They got uh, Levante David and all these other guys, they brought back Gronk. So, you know, they're, they're positioning themselves for another run. The NFC West, I thought, was really interesting. Uh, in particular, the Rams didn't do anything. The Cardinals traded for Rodney Hudson in the center, who I thought was really good. Uh, then, they, you know, then for $6 million, they took a flyer on A.J. Green. Realize all the receptions they have in that room between him and if Larry Fitzgerald comes back. It's like five. That's a lot of catches between the two of them. Um, and then the Niners getting Alex Mack, the center, I thought was really big. And then Samson Ebicam, who I always think that there's value of taking a young up and coming player from a divisional opponent. So the Niners did that with Samson Ebicam, the outside linebacker who was from the Rams. Then the Seahawks did that. They took Gerald Everett, the tight end from the Rams. Uh, and then the Seahawks also traded for Gabe Jackson uh, from the Raiders, as well as picking up Akella Witherspoon, 
uh, cornerback from San Francisco. So it was a lot of like interdivisional movement, but I, I think of that several of the teams on the NFC West got uh, really good. It was definitely an interesting division from a free agency perspective. The AJ Green one is definitely interesting. It's an interesting dynamic that they're going to have going on there in that wide receiver room, like you said. Let's go to the AFC uh, of the remainder of who we haven't talked about. Let's start in Indianapolis real quick as they have unveiled their new quarterback, Carson Wentz, uh, who obviously they got via trade. And uh, look, I think it's going to be good for them. It's going to be good for both parties. Let's see what happens. Are you allowed to talk about it? I thought they were trying to ban anyone from Philadelphia. Yes, the, or yeah, Philadelphia allegedly was banned from commenting, and now the Eagles had a joint had a press conference at the same time, and a lot of people believe that that were they were in cahoots there. Uh, the story will come out at some point. Uh, what happened there? I, I wish Carson Wentz nothing but the best. It'll be great to see what he can do. And, and to Eagles fans, you know, there's a super fan, Giovanni, who is a young kid, 13 years old. I, I forget that, that what. Uh, what his affliction is, but it, it it's not a it's not a mental thing; it's a physical thing with him. So he has a podcast, and he's a Carson Wentz super fan. He was the one that unveiled that Wentz was going to wear the number two, and fans went in on the kid, calling him traitor, you know, ripping into him on social media. Get Why is he a traitor? Because because Eagles fans, when it comes to social media, have beer muscles, and I'm from Philly. I can I can say shit on Twitter. Fuck off. Leave the fucking kid alone. You know, you have Lane Johnson coming out and say, hey, tag me when you want to talk shit on the kid, and, and we can have a conversation in person. Yeah. That's my that's my little comment on that. Uh, rest of the AFC, let's run it down real quick. Well, who do you like? So who, who do I like? So but for, I, I, I got a comment. Houston basically signed about a quarter of the league. <laughs> they, they I, I mean, I'm, kind of, I'm just doing the count really quick. Like, I think it's over. I think it's about 18 players. And it's kind of, you know, they're just trying to build a lot of depth. But I, I don't it, it's just, it, I think it further underscores what's going on in Houston in that there's just a, there's a lot going on there. And you don't, I don't really know. We have Nick Casario from New England, but then you have this guy, Nick Easterby, you know, the, who I've talked about at length, who's running the team and, I just don't see a pattern for what they're trying to do. You know, it seems like they're just getting a lot of New England castoffs, but not necessarily the best players. So I, I just thought it's important to comment on that. Uh, you know, Jacksonville signed a lot of players too, but I really wasn't uh, overwhelmed with what they did. Uh, frankly, I thought they overpaid for for some guys who are mediocre at best. I mean, giving like Roy Robertson Harris a defensive tackle from Chicago. Three years, twenty three point four million. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins from the Chargers, four years, thirty five million. And that's a lot of money for guys who, who I don't necessarily think are worth that. I thought Tennessee did a good job bringing in. Uh, so they got they brought in Janoris Jenkins to replace the Dory Jackson, uh, and also Malcolm Butler. They released, but then they got Bud Dupree. Uh, they definitely paid for him five years, eighty two and a half million. But he's definitely an upgrade over the Jadavian Clowney experience or experiment, excuse me, uh, that did not work out. And then Danico Autry is a solid defensive tackle who they brought in. Uh, I can say I like the LA Chargers, what they did, uh, bringing in two solid, excuse me, yeah, two solid offensive linemen. Uh, Corey Lindsley is probably the best center in the league, 
took him from Green Bay. Matt Filer's a good right tackle from Pittsburgh. And then they got Jared Cook, uh, who will replace Hunter Henry. Well, I thought that made sense. Um, the Chiefs uh, obviously needed to bolster their offensive line. They definitely took care of the offensive guard positions. They got Kyle Long out of retirement, and then they threw a shit ton of money to Joe Tooney, five years, $80 million for a guard. Um, the one team that I really don't understand what they're doing uh, is the Raiders, the Fighting Mayox. And if you, if you look at who they brought in, it was clear they needed to improve on defense. So they bring in Solomon Thomas, Quinn and Jefferson, Yannick and Gakwe. But in doing so, they also traded away or released almost, you know, like a majority of their offensive line. And to me, I thought that their offensive line was the key to their success. And I, I think it, it would have really been important moving forward to sort of have this ground and pound kind of offense. And, you know, they trade away Gabe Jackson, uh, Rodney Hudson. They traded Trent Brown. I, I don't know, you know. So, okay, great. You, you've slightly improved the defense with a few players, but then you, you just traded away all of your offensive linemen. And then, you know, like giving Kenyon Drake two years, $14.5 million. You already have Josh Jacobs. Why do you need to invest that much in another running back? I just don't quite get that. Uh, I just chalk it up to the Raiders. Yeah, well, I'm not a big Mike Mayock fan. You can change the coach. You can. It's still the Raiders, baby. Just win somehow. Yeah, well, Derek Carr is going to be on his ass. Or yeah, yeah, that's Derek, not David. That's maybe that's what the the Raiders actually want. Who knows? I don't know. On that note, we're going to wrap up the show for the week. Follow us on all social media at GL Stand Show. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Eagles coverage at Eagle Delphia on Twitter. Uh, for Giants coverage at GL Stan, GLS underscore Giants. Join the Facebook group. Come talk football with us. Hey, download, rate, and share. Drop a five-star review. Say, hey, these guys are great. They know what they're talking about. Boost us up those rankings. We want to talk more football with you. We're working on some stuff coming up for the future that uh, will hopefully make us all the better. We shall see. I'm Mike. That's Brett. Enjoy the rest of free agency, and we will see you next week.